trust replacing fear, at least wanting to. What the hell? They'd ride it out. Because that's what you did. In that instant, the wheelhouse was bathed in white, when, raising a hand to it, a choked-off, Oh, my God! And the sound, even through the wind, there was no mistaking the engines. Everything around them seemed alien now, bled of color. The searchlight's brilliance striking the rain and spray gave it the appearance of a beast raging to get at them. Jimmy! I see it! What are we going to do? I don't know! If you... A wave roller-coastered them, when, screaming with the lurch, grabbing at him, and for a moment they lost the beam. Then it found them, but from a forward angle, as if the more powerful craft were hurting them, cutting off escape. Jimmy was conscious of his sweat and, for a moment, contemplated a run, even as he knew it was suicide. At least by not running they stood a chance. Who are they? What do they want? They want to talk when, to me, all right? Not that it was when he was angry at, not by now. It was himself, the risk he'd exposed her to, the child inside her. And like that, Jimmy flashed on the ultrasound again the heartbeat, the doctors telling them it was a girl, all his senses magnified, life forever tuned to a different frequency. Now this, despite Wen's insistence on coming along, insisting it was a chance they needed to work things out. Great fucking work, Jimmy thought, only a genius. He wished he could take it back, the stuff with her, with them out there, but of course that was impossible. It was far too late for that. The beam came from dead ahead now, in spite of his running the boat as hard as he dared, near flank against the surge. No place to run. Nowhere to hide. Jimmy took his hand off the wheel, brushed it against the 357 Rossi in the flap pocket of his anorak, felt the magnum's heft even as he tried to smile reassuringly. Then he spun the wheel over and headed back toward San Miguel. Santa Barbara Channel, present. The boat was a dragnetter out of Avila, crew of four, on the prowl for anything the nets would bring up. In particular, flounder, rockfish, lingcod, snapper, cabazon, halibut if they were lucky, toilets, pipe, and rusted junk if they weren't. The weather solid gold even if the hauls so far were thin. Roy Portis, the trawler's skipper, took a sip of the New Orleans with chicory he'd brewed, watched the booms dip and strain with the net's weight, the crew dozing before it got crazy. Out here was the place to be, all right. Burnished swells, riffle breeze, basking sun. San Miguel broad off, larger Santa Rosa coming up, Santa Cruz off the starboard bow, their clawed topography standing out against the wall of gray. Three dolphins rolled off the port beam. It was a nice life when it paid, a cold bitch when it didn't, like this year. Still, it beat being stuck behind a desk where breeze was meted out by an air conditioner, and what you gathered mostly was years. Easy to be philosophical on a day like this, he thought. Even the seagulls looked good, starched white gliders against a blue-glazed sky, those that weren't folded up and picking their teeth along with the crew. Portis gave a thought to noting that one in the journal he'd been keeping for his creative writing course, then decided he was just too comfortable to move. Besides, he'd remember a shudder, a hesitation, 
a noticeable loss of way even though the engines hadn't seemed to falter. He heard the shouts, saw what was happening, jerked back inside to lever it into neutral, then reverse, until the bend and creak of the booms had eased. Shit! If he'd been any slower... Bobby and the others already were checking the lines, which he could see still strained. More slack, Skip! Winches are frozen! Portis eased off further, tried to picture what was down there. Damn near anything, of course. That came with the dragger's lot. His luck, too, shaving a corner off the marine sanctuary, those arbitrary dotted lines the Park Service bureaucrats drew around the islands like moats around their castles. And his options. Tear the net trying to wrench loose, and there went the haul, the score he needed. Disable the booms, there went the season. Lose both, and kiss the boat goodbye. Already he was in too deep with the bank. Might as well radio them to come get her if that went down. One thing was sure. The charts showed nothing to steer clear of, even as he double-checked them. For a while he maneuvered, circling the spot in search of a release point. Slack, no slack, slack, no slack. Come on, come on, come on, come on! I'll go, Bobby finally piped up. Baby needs a new pair of shoes. Portis glanced again at the depth finder, squinted out on deck where Cowboy already was zipping him into the wetsuit, strapping on the tank. Looking at a buck and a quarter, Bob, big rock or reef or something. Go easy down there. Absolutamente. Pry bar and knife, he shot back. Dive watch? Guerrero's got him at the rail. Air? Portis knew the answer. He'd checked it after last time, just wanted to see if Bobby had. It was always the basics. Relax, Skip. Man knows the drill. Cowboy answering for him. Twenty minutes, no chances, Portis said. You got that? He watched Bobby nod, was going to add that he couldn't afford another bath and keep everybody on, even himself, but decided against it. At least for now, this was his problem. Then Bobby was settling his mask and stepping overboard, an upward thumb before disappearing in a kick of fins, a royal of bubbles. It didn't take long, twelve minutes by Portis's watch, before Bobby was breaking the surface, tossing his mask and pry bar up to Guerrero and Cowboy, giving a whoop and shouting, You ain't gonna believe what we're hung up on! Before they'd even pulled him back in. Chapter 2 Will whipped the disc as far as he could and watched the dog tear after it, this black and white and caramel blur kicking up sand and, at the precise moment, leaping up to snap it out of the air. Three girls about fifteen, t-shirts over their suits, applauded as the dog pranced it back, looking at them like, Average arm, fair hang time, no wind, what did you expect? Light surf retreated. A line of pelicans bent to the rincon. On the forelane between La Conchita and the beach, traffic sped toward Santa Barbara, the thirty-story bluff above looking harmless in the sun, belying, of course, the nine houses it had dropped in on a couple of winters before, county-strung tape still in place around the hazards that had once housed friends. Progress, Will thought, lawsuits inching through the courts while the lawyers dodged and weaved, the politicians opted out, and property values headed south. Great work, guys. Always the right thing. By then, Matt was standing over the frisbee and looking up at him. 
Will picked it up, angled one high and inland so that at zenith it would sheer off toward the surf. Except Matt had seen that one before. Breaking as the frisbee broke, he put on a burst parallel to the surf line, jumping to save the throw before it kamikazed into a breaker. All right, Maddie. Faint clapping from the girls moving off toward Muscle Shoals, the little pipeline connected Petroleum Island with its palm trees and white rock skirt, which left the beach pretty much to him and Matt. Four thirty, and the family's heading home for barbecue and watermelon. Maybe a stop at El Mercado, where Fiesta vendors already were selling tacos, tamales, and roasted corn. No charge for the aromas that had you chewing your sleeve while waiting to order. That time of year in Santa Barbara. Whirling skirts and stamping feet, dark eyes coy behind patterned fans, five and six-year-olds looking like rainbow come-ons in their adult-applied makeup, adding to the surreality blurred nights that began and ended with tequila shooters holding on to bar rails as the fiesta revelry seduced like the bright shards in a kaleidoscope. Finding meaning in your tabletop that had eluded you at the start of the evening, and none whatever in the morning after. His ex-specialty. Just ask Lisa. Ex-specialty, ex-wife. Fine-looking dog. Will turned, caught the man who had come up on them. Lost in reverie, he hadn't followed Matt's raised ears and alert status posture. He did his own scan, saw nothing untoward, nothing you banked on. That's Matt," Will said, seeing the dog relax at the sound of his name. "Matty's Australian, aren't you, Matt?" "Long way from home," the man said in a familiar accent. Vietnamese, from his appearance as well, prominent cheekbones, narrow chin, and wide-spaced features.